So, uh, about two or three years ago, um, genetic engineers uh, engineered cattle to, that normally have horns to not have horns. They went in with gene editing, they changed the genetic structure. When you do that, you enter a, uh, some material into the DNA, which is like a scissors and a guide. So the guide says, okay, cut here, the scissors cuts, and then the natural DNA sounds the alarm and then they repair it. Dr. Nick Delgado here on our webinar and podcast, and you know my origin of dealing with health problems, skin problems, high blood pressure, chronic diseases, and going through my life struggling to learn the answer to Optum Health. We have a special guest today, Jeffrey M. Smith. Jeffrey Smith, you're the man who kind of brought to the forefront all about GMOs. Tell us about GMOs, these genetically modified organisms, and tell us further, what other toxicities do we need to be aware of? This is a very dangerous situation that we face as a society. I sat in at your talk at the Truth About Cancer here this weekend in Anaheim, and you were showing cattle and talking about genetic SNPs and things, and it was just so fascinating. But please, just let's start from the beginning here, this GMO situation promoted by, I guess, the government and somehow trying to, in their belief, to help improve uh, crop production. Is this uh, what the origin is? Yet it did kind of something that we didn't expect. Is that right? Well, originally the GMOs, genetically modified organisms, were created by largely by Monsanto because they, their Roundup herbicide was going off of patent. And so they created Roundup-ready crops, engineered not to die when sprayed by Roundup, they sold those seeds to farmers and said, if you buy our Roundup Ready seeds to make weeding easier, you have to buy our Roundup herbicide and not the generics done, you know, sold by China. So it was a, it was a ploy to sell more herbicide and 85% of all GMOs on the planet are herbicide tolerant for Roundup, Roundup Ready crops. Now, you end up with a situation, however, where the process of genetic engineering causes all sorts of unpredicted side effects, and that can cause da damage to the health. For example, Roundup Ready corn has higher levels of putrescine and cadaverine, which are not only responsible for the foul odor of rotting dead bodies, but they're linked to cancer and allergies. But the Roundup that's sprayed on the Roundup Ready corn, that actually is linked to long list of diseases because Roundup is an antibiotic, it kills the beneficial gut bacteria, it disallows the body to absorb minerals, it can mess up our neurotransmitters, it can damage the mitochondria, the hormones, it can cause cancer, all these different things from Roundup itself, plus the problems of the GMOs, plus there's some GMOs that are engineered to produce a toxic, toxic insecticide, which also is dangerous to humans. So it's a real, it's a real Pandora's box that they've opened. So with that, uh, Jeffrey Smith, I know you're one of the leading experts in the world and you're working on raising some funding in an effort to spearhead some changes. What spearheaded changes do we need to manifest from this shocking situation that you see in a nutshell? We're going to kind of 
roundabout come back to the original premise that this dangerous situation exists so the public doesn't think we're just crying wolf. I want you to please elucidate what is it that funding will help us to do to kind of change the nature of what's going on in not just in our own governmental situation, but it sounds like in worldwide politics as well. Well, we have a three-minute video at protectnaturenow.com, which describes what I'm about to say. The, we've been very successful at educating people about the health dangers of GMOs. So 46% of Americans say they're seeking non-GMO, so the food companies are rapidly trying to replace GMOs with non-GMO ingredients so that they don't lose their sales to the product sitting on the shelf next to theirs, which says non-GMO. However, we have an existential threat to our planet from this technology, and here's what it looks like. There's new technologies for GMOs, for creating GMOs, called gene editing. People know maybe the word CRISPR. Now, gene editing creates, just like the other types of GMOs where you transfer genes between species, it creates massive collateral damage in the DNA. You could have hundreds or thousands of mutations that can create unpredictable side effects, including allergens, toxins, new diseases, and nutritional problems. Here's the problem, Nick. We now know that there are thousands of laboratories equipped with this gene editing technique that are targeting anything with DNA, from bacteria to bees, from algae to animals, uh, from fungus to flowers. And so everything, everything with DNA is up for grabs. And if they introduce thousands or hundreds of thousands of species into the ecosystem, where their labs are driven by artificial intelligence and robotics, and they're trying to get them out there before the competitors do, we're facing a situation of a permanently corrupted gene pool. Because once you release a GMO with an artificially corrupted genome, it will crossbreed, it will reproduce, and the offspring will have that corrupted genome, and there is no technology to clean it up. And so. Our future generations will inherit something quite different than we did. We inherited nature that was the products of the billions of years of evolution. They will inherit the folly of this generation with thousands of products that have been genetically engineered where the number one most common result is surprise side effects. Now these, uh, as you showed images of cows without horns, and I was like, Wow, what's going on? Somehow, what do they think? These cows are gentler because they don't have horns. They can't hurt another cow or, uh, or a human. But somehow, by proving they could remove the horns, but these animals, when they came out, there's is it side effects from us consuming those animals? Is there some dangerous issues now because of this actual gene manipulation? It's a perfect question. So uh, about two or three years ago, um, genetic engineers uh, engineered cattle to who normally have horns to not have horns. They went in with gene editing, they changed the genetic structure. When you do that, you enter a, uh, some material into the DNA, which is like a scissors and a guide. So the guide says, okay, cut here, the scissors cuts, and then the natural DNA sounds the alarm and then they repair it. But when they repair it, it can bring in genetic material that happened to be floating by in the petri dish and so when they did this with the with the cows they checked with their tools and said ah perfect no side effects 
the cows look exactly like we wanted them to. They don't have horns. And when they published it in a peer-reviewed journal, they even said this proves that gene editing is safe and predictable and we don't need any regulation for any gene-edited animals or organisms. We should just allow it to be introduced and have no, no uh, government oversight whatsoever. Now, Jeffrey, in your talk, you mentioned there's literally millions of combinations to actually find the right place to splice. It's nearly impossible. You see, what happens is there's so many things that can go wrong. First of all, if you're looking for a particular genetic code for the cut to be made, that genetic code piece will be found in many different places. So you may have cuts in different places that are not intended. But then you have things that look like that area, and then you have just simply things that don't function correctly. So in one gene editing uh, situation, they ended up with almost 2,000 deletions, additions, and mutations that were not expected or anticipated, any one of which could turn a harmless food into a potentially deadly one. In the case of these cows, even though they were acting as the poster child for the biotech industry, where the biotech industry was saying, this proves that it's safe, the FDA recently sequenced the DNA and said, oops, guess what, guys? You missed something very important. You did not realize that part of the bacteria that was used in the genetic engineering process was picked up by the cow DNA and integrated. So now you have a cow that has some bacterial DNA, and that's by itself really serious. But more serious is that the bacteria had antibiotic resistant genes. What this means is in every cell of the cow, there are genes from bacteria that are coded with the code for protein that will not allow that bacteria to die when exposed to neomycin, canamycin, ampicillin. And so imagine if that gene were to transfer from the cow's cells into bacteria living inside the gut of the cow and then become part of the environment when the cow poops it out. Now you're multiplying the presence of antibiotic resistant diseases, or maybe you eat the cow and get exposed. In any case, antibiotic-resistant diseases are already killing tens of thousands of people and causing amputations. Now you have a cow that is genetically engineered to increase the risk of that. As soon as this was made public in Brazil, where they were breeding the cows, they killed all the cows, canceled the breeding program. But it showed you yet again an example of the unpredictable side effects and the terrible job that they're doing evaluating the risks after they produce their product. Now multiply this by fish, by bacteria, by algae, and you end up replacing nature with a corrupted gene pool in this generation. And so we are raising money not only to just stay in the game because the Institute for Responsible Technology at responsibletechnology.org. We're happening to we happen to be in an existential crisis of our own financially, so we're looking out for help just to keep our lights on. And when we keep our lights on, what we're going to do is tackle the planetary existential crisis. As you remember from TTAC, I asked the audience how if you if if climate change was an eight out of ten for planetary threat, where would GMOs be? Most people rated it higher than climate change and that was exactly the same result I got in three previous lectures before people watch the three-minute video at protectnaturenow.com. After that it becomes clear that the only thing that lasts longer than a self-propagating 
genetic pollution is extinction. I have a copy of your book, uh, Jeffrey Smith. Name the favorite titles that are out there that they can get either at Amazon or preferably even at your website to help fund this situation. And then where can they do the donations? Please first name your books and then let's get to how we can help to fund this project. Okay, I've got books and movies. The books are Seeds of Deception and Genetic Roulette. The movies that I'd like to recommend are Genetic Roulette, but most importantly, Secret Ingredients, which I did with Amy Hart. Secret Ingredients tells the story of individuals who switch to organic food and get better from serious diseases. We have two families that had autistic sons. They're no longer on the spectrum. We had uh, a, a couple, uh, we had couples that were infertile. They switched to organic food and now have children. 92 couples, not just one, zero failures in this one clinic. People had skin conditions, brain fog, obesity, uh, mood issues. Now, these are not just one-offs. We have doctors like David Perlmutter and Dr. Michelle Perro who describe when they switch their patients and their practices to organic, they see the same type of recoveries. But that's not all. We surveyed 3,256 people and found that when they switched to non-GMO, they got better from 28 different conditions. Many of these conditions are on the rise in the U.S. in parallel with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup, adding additional data, and also livestock and pets. When they switch to non-GMO or organic, they too get better. So SecretIngredientsMovie.com gives you access to Secret Ingredients, which turns out to be, based on pre and post test, the most effective motivator for someone to take an, uh, an organic diet and stick with it. Wow, fantastic. And Jeffrey, you also mm -hmm. asked where people can donate. I yes, that. sure. That's pretty critical right about now. And that is responsibletechnology.org. You'll see a donate tab at the top. Click there. And if you can, please donate so that the money is automatically donated each month so we have enough money coming in on a predictable basis to budget for, to hire staff, and to move forward. What we're doing at the Institute for Responsible Technology is we're pioneering the messaging that we're going to spread around the world to all the other organizations for them to use for free with their own branding around this existential threat, which you'll see at protectnaturenow.com, is quite serious. Jeffrey Smith, I want to circle back to what are, so the audience understands the gravity of this situation. You mentioned amputations. Are you saying that animals had amputations or the humans who got exposed to these toxins, to these animals and so forth, had to have potentially amputated limbs? I wasn't clear on that statement. All right. So right now we may have heard of MRSA or other antibiotic resistant pathogens. So irrespective of whether GMOs exist or not, these antibiotic resistant strains are, when people catch them, then it can kill them. Now let's say you have an infection on your foot and there's no way that you can stop it with antibiotics. Doctors will also often come in and cut off the foot or the leg to protect from the infection from spreading because they have no tools in the hospital to kill off the infection. So if you look at the FDA website, it says that antibiotic resistant diseases are responsible for tens of thousands of deaths and also are amputations that wouldn't otherwise be required. Now, when you genetically engineer something, typically in the, in the old days when you transfer genes between species instead of just editing within the same DNA, uh, in either case, you 
you will put often an antibiotic resistant gene in at the same time so that when you change uh, millions of, of cells, you don't know which of those cells ended up with the correct change. Like if you're, if you're using a gene gun and you're blasting in millions of cells into a, a millions of genes into a plate of millions of cells, you want to clone the cells that are successful into a plant, but you don't want to clone, you don't want to clone a million cells. So you add antibiotics into the petri dish, and it kills all of the cells except the very few that got the cells delivered in the right place, because not only does it have the gene for Roundup Ready or the gene for the insecticide, it has an antibiotic resistant gene that's only used once. Well, you put antibiotics in the petri dish, it kills all the other cells. The ones that survive, they survive because the antibiotic resistant gene is now in the cell. And then it ends up, when you clone it, in every cell of the plant or the animal. And so the all these different medical organizations were aghast, including the FDA's own scientists, saying, why in the world are you putting antibiotic resistant genes into food? because then it can transfer to gut bacteria. And sure enough, the only time they ever tested to see if genes can transfer from genetically engineered crops into gut bacteria, they found it. In this case, it wasn't. They weren't checking for the antibiotic resistance. They were checking for the Roundup Ready trait. So now we have gut bacteria that may be gathering pieces of the genes that were inserted into GMOs. And so this highlights just another potential danger. We may be colonizing our gut bacteria with Roundup Ready protein creating genes or even the gene that creates the insecticide called BT toxin that's found in corn that can poke holes in human cells causing leaky gut. And, the, and, and they found in, in Canada, in 93% of the pregnant women tested, they found the BT toxin in their blood. Now how can so many pregnant women in Canada, such a high rate, have BT toxin, a dangerous toxin in their bloodstream and in 80% of their unborn fetuses. Well, one potential reason is because after eating uh, genetically engineered corn, the gene that produces that BT toxin transferred and lives inside the DNA of their gut bacteria and produces BT toxin 24-7 around mm. the clock inside their gut, creating leaky gut, then the leaky gut creates holes in the walls of the intestines, the BT toxin leaks out, gets in the blood, ends up in the, in the cord blood, ends up in the fetus, and this toxin not only can promote allergic reactions, but it can poke holes in cells, and the, and the offspring, they don't have a blood brain, the, the, in the fetus, they don't have blood brain barriers. So now we have a hole poking toxin that can also elicit an immune response in the brains of the offspring of this generation. Oh my gosh. So. Let's give the audience some very clear steps. What can they do? How can they trust labeling of non-GMO? And give me kind of a rundown, uh, kind of to get through this obstacle, obstacle course. Clearly, there's landmines everywhere we're looking now based on what we're looking at this current generation that, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, they're brilliant type of, of beliefs of trying to make profit at the expense of our health. So what can these people do? What can we as consumers do immediately when we go shopping at our organic uh, grocery store or we go to organic farmers and support that effort with local growing, even 
growing at home? I mean, give me some ideas. What can we do, Jeffrey, uh, from A to C? Is there three or four points that we can help our audience? And then we're going to, again, give them that final uh, call to action to help them to understand how they can promote or uh, support this effort so we don't just destroy the planet, essentially, what we're dealing with here. Sure. Um, I would like to suggest two main courses of action. And the first course of action is to eat organic. Now, I used to say eat non-GMO and if you can, eat organic. But Monsanto, who is now Bayer, Bayer Aspirin bought Monsanto, um, they actually started promoting the use of Roundup herbicide to farmers who were growing grains and beans, also grapes and uh, orchards and whatnot, to spray. In the case of grains and beans, just before harvest, it desiccates, it dries down the crop. And so you end up with Roundup residues in oats and wheat and in uh, navy beans and hummus and lentils. So you don't want this stuff. It is correlated with so many different diseases. And it's not just cancer, but also all sorts of diseases. And so to avoid both Roundup and the GMOs, eat organic. Now, you may see things with the little butterfly symbol called the non-GMO project. It is a great verification. It does not check for Roundup. So if you have a loaf of bread or some oatmeal that's been verified as non-GMO, it still may have high levels of glyphosate, the chief poison in Roundup, which you don't want to eat. So the best thing is organic. If you can't get organic, the second best is to eat non-GMO project verified because then you can at least avoid the GMOs uh, at the same time. Now, that's the first thing, eat organic. The second thing is we have now an existential threat. If everyone was switching to non-GMO like they have been more and more, we create a tipping point. Now we're gonna be focusing on organic. We'll be changing more and more of the landscape. But people's choices in the marketplace for food is not gonna stop the release of genetically engineered bacteria. And we know bacteria can spread around the world, literally around the world. And it, and we have two near misses of genetically back engineered bacteria from the 80s and 90s that could have theoretically rendered North American soils infertile or changed even the weather patterns over California because of the nature of what bacteria does and what the genetically engineered bacteria changed it so that it did. We talked about this at the TTAC lecture. So in order to protect nature, then we have a much bigger, bigger issue, and not everyone's individual consumer choices will drive that. So for that, I'd like to recommend making a donation so that we can engage in international treaties, in lobbying, in policy making, in litigation, in social media, national media, scientific advisories, etc. So we can do the big stroke picture, big picture information so that the world is alerted, because it's not like one individual is trying to replace nature with gene-edited organisms. It's that tens of thousands of labs working on their own will collectively threaten the gene pool of nature. And so we can't go and make one scientist uh, wrong. We don't want to demonize individual scientists doing what they've always been doing. We want to protect nature and protect the food supply with proper regulation and proper awareness so that we don't end up inadvertently passing on to all future generations a damaged and corrupted gene. Well stated. Uh, Jeffrey Smith, is it possible 
to get organic, non-GMO soy or corn. Is it possible? Yes, in fact, it is very possible. Uh, even though over 90% of soy and corn are genetically engineered in the United States, a certain percentage is carefully segregated, carefully preserved as separate. And if you have something like organic, then it is documents that segregation. If you have the non-GMO project, it goes a step further and requires testing so that you have certain samples drawn at random and it verifies that the level of contamination, if any, is consistently below their action threshold of 0.9%. And so even though, you, and you may have organic and non-GMO project verified on the same package, which is the gold standard, because now you know not only is it non-GMO and no Roundup, but it's been tested if there's any soy or corn, for example, in the product. Now, it doesn't mean that there's zero percentage guaranteed. There could be a small amount of contamination, even for organic or non-GMO project verified, but it means that certainly the grower has done what he or she needs to do to minimize or prevent entirely that contamination. Can people actually um, understand that certain supplements may actually, let's say they're a powdered protein or something, may actually have these toxins. Now I know we get a certification for our Slim Blend Protein, that's 20 whole organic fruits and vegetables. We make sure organic and certified non-GMO, which we're probably one of the few exceptions in, in, this, in this market of supplementation. But I also wanna know, uh, are, are supplement companies starting to listen to you? Aren't they concerned what the consumers are gonna hear? Because I know we turned organic and non-GMO a long time ago. Nice. First of all, congratulations. I, I want to give you kudos there, doctor, because to be both organic certified and non-GMO project verified, as I mentioned, that's the gold standard. Okay. That means not only are you following the organic certification programs where things like glyphosate or Roundup, atrazine, other nasties are not used, you also are required to test your products for contamination if there's any at-risk ingredients. And so what you have is the best now there are a few others but most are not and i'd like to say that um, if you are simply buying supplements that have that don't have organic and don't have non-gimbo project verified or both then you're putting yourself at risk especially if they have proteins like not from soy protein isolate or if they have corn products um, also sugar, sugar from sugar beet is genetically engineered. And there's other things like peas are often sprayed with Roundup. Pea proteins are often filled with Roundup. Certain beans, you know, they, they, they may derive proteins from beans and peas. So the whole, the, those, that's, these are really critical decisions because you tend to eat supplements every single day and you don't want to be causing more damage than you're getting from supplements. Now here's a tough question and you may have the answer, but let's say, unfortunately, our viewers unbeknownst to them have been going about kind of with blinders and then they just kind of just went and randomly been eating essentially at restaurants and out i mean they don't know what the restaurants are serving unless they're maybe gratitude cafe or something you know elaborate where they're you know bringing in organic and that type of thing but what do they do is is, is it possible that a, a, a relaxed infrared sauna spa 
detoxifying and you see these brown things when you sit on the towels as the as the perspiration's coming out is it possible that drinking high level very purified water like with you know echo and uh, reverse osmosis because water can have these contaminants from the runoff too right and is it possible that air fresh these devices that have ionizers and drop particles out of the air could these three steps play a role in helping to kind of purge and then with enough natural fiber from organic sources going through the intestines just draw some of these chemicals out is this something that could help well i do like tough questions and that was a tough question and for years i would say to people uh because i'm not a healthcare practitioner it's above my pay grade however i started hearing from scientists and doctors that they had actual protocols and procedures for helping to detox rebuild and repair the body yep. so i i did an online course called healing from gmos uh you can see it at healing from gmos Com, a healing from, did healing from GMOs and Roundup and interviewed 18 experts and many of them described what you just described. Saunas, two of the experts, Dietrich Klinghardt and Lee Cowden, talked about the importance of detoxing through saunas. Uh, we talked about the fact that Roundup is found in the air samples, in 75% of the air samples in Mississippi, for example, 60 to 100% uh, in other air and rain samples collected by the U.S. Geological Survey throughout the Midwest. Uh, glyphosate residues are found in water. You need to make sure that the water filter can remove glyphosate because that's not always as easy as some of the other toxins. But so these, the idea is to one, to eliminate exposure, two, to detox, and three, to rebuild. And so there's a lot of different strategies. And although, as I say, I'm not qualified to answer the question. I'm overqualified to ask the question. So I ask experts like yourself what you've noticed, and there's a long list of protocols. And because if you think about it, Roundup, just itself, just Roundup, damaging the gut bacteria, you need to rebuild that. It chelates minerals. You need to replenish with minerals. It creates leaky gut. You need to bind that. It damages the mitochondria. You need to build up the mitochondria. It serves as the energy centers. It can also damage the production of serotonin, melatonin, and dopamine. That needs to be shored up. It can also cause imbalances at higher levels in the hormones. We have to protect against that. It can cause genotoxicity, which can lead to cancer. We need to protect that. It can lead to um, also to birth defects. Uh, and it can damage the whole digestive system, suppressing digestive enzymes in some animal studies. And so we need to make sure we're digesting properly. Now, in addition to that, it can block the detoxification pathways, both in our liver and throughout our bodies, and also inhibit the communication or intelligence between cells, as exampled by the, the, uh, the gap junction uh, mechanism, which is now suppressed by glyphosate. That's just new information not yet published. So when you actually look at Roundup, it actually undermines the fundamentals of health. Because what I just described very quickly, and I don't expect everyone to get it like that unless you happen to be in the field, it's just to give you an idea that it hits every major foundation of health. Therefore, detox is one thing, but rebuilding your health is another, and that becomes critical after long-term exposure. Yeah, Jeffrey, when I wrote the book Simply Healthy, I talked about organic, 
uh, whole natural unprocessed foods, you know, really even considering oil free because oils can have toxins, you know, get, get to the whole foods themselves and all the different recipes that you can enjoy and prepare. And is it a good idea for someone to actually uh, create a garden if they can, grow some of their own food? And uh, is it possible uh, that, that people can see some results over the period of, it may take months, sometimes years to recover from these toxicities, right, Jeffrey? Yes, in fact, we we have uh, a program which will be available soon for everyone called the 90-Day Lifestyle Upgrade. And we, we talk about planting heirloom uh, seeds. We talk about um, how to ferment at home, how to sprout. Um, you see, when you're growing locally, uh, you end up having a few things working for your advantage. First of all, you can harvest when it is ripe. And, not, and that's when it is the most, uh, has the highest level of nutrition, nutrition density. Second, you can choose heirloom varieties that are not simply the varieties that have been culled and, and, and identified because they can be picked mechanically. Uh, a lot of times the, the narrow, uh, more commercial varieties do not have the, the nutrition and so you can get a variety. Third, these things taste better. I mean, if you listen to some of the people talk about the incredible heirloom foods that they're eating, and also you can make sure that you're managing the soil because the quality of the soil determines the nutrient density and health of the plant. And so if you, even if for organic, you can buy products that are organic that are done poorly. They may not have glyphosate sprayed, but the soil may be denuded and so they're still following the organic protocol, but they're not necessarily nutrient dense. So you can have control over those, and then of course you'll have extra to give away to friends. Fantastic, I'm loving this interview. Acne Be Gone for Good, I co-wrote with a board-certified dermatologist, Dr. Sonia Battery banisel and we looked at the toxins in the environment. We looked at selecting whole organic foods, and wouldn't you say it's probable that these kids out there that are having to take antibiotics, birth control pills, proactive, to try and remove this horrible skin condition, 80% of kids are affected by acne. We've helped 50,000 young kids now clear up their skin amazingly through these steps that we're talking about don't you think this may play a role you know because sometimes you can't get someone's attention when they eat something they can't see it they, they just think it doesn't exist but when they see it on their face it isn't the or the skin one of the most important organs of excretion and detoxification you know it's interesting in the film secret ingredients and I remind you it's at secretingredientsmovie.com I really hope you get a chance chance to see it because it really convinces people to eat organic and one of the reasons is the skin I, I wasn't actually predicting this. Uh, when I started asking audiences in 2012, how many people noticed the change in their health when they switched to non-GMO, people started raising their hand and I said, okay, what did you notice? In almost every lecture, there were people that said skin problems, cleared up. And so I said, how many people noticed it? And there was always a very large percentage. And so when we surveyed people, there was a very significant percentage of people that got better from eczema and other skin conditions. In the film, uh, there's a family that had 21 chronic conditions between five members of the family, wow. and when they switched to organic, they went away. And one of the first things to go away was the rashes of the child, the youngest boy. He had eczema head to toe, and then that's not. And then we have another woman who is a, a nutritionist who was treating her husband, 
who would always have breakout from eczema, put him on an organic diet. He hasn't had an outbreak in six years. I hear this all the time. And as Dr. Um, Perlmutter, David Perlmutter, who's the author of Brain, Grain Brain and Brain Maker, in our film says that, you know, you can't just put a salve on the skin. It's treating the smoke. It's ignoring the fire. Right. It's, the, it's inflammation that creates the skin eruptions. And that inflammation is promoted through GMOs and Roundup. And sure enough, it has become a predicted outcome. So when I, I mentioned the Secret Ingredients movie. People say, how do I get my teenager to watch? I say, use the word acne. <laughs> yes, acne. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, this, this for us, uh, we have a website called estherblock.com, and we're going to feature this show on our nickdelgado.com because we want people to understand we have helped literally over 50,000 young people clear up their skin, and you have confirmed something that I suspected and observed along with Dr. Sonia out of the Bay Area, but, but just looking at this whole idea, if people want to go plant-based, they need to go organic, they need to go whole fresh foods, they need to know what foods are causing them inflammation particularly uh, delayed food allergies. Now, uh, Danny, can you cut away to the microscope picture? I just wanted to show a quick example. Uh, we look at blood, everyone's, every the clients that come in, we look at under a microscope at their cellular health, at their red blood cells, seeing if they're absorbing vitamins and minerals. But we also look at, uh, although you can't see this, Jeffrey, but our audience will be able to see it here in post, is the white blood cells. If they're breaking apart due to exposure from inflammatory foods that maybe they're protein antigens that might have been infected with some of these toxins. So these white cells have to be really well guarded and protected. When we see an increased production of these white cells, what do you think pus is in, in the skin? These kids are trying to, you know, do these pimples, you know, that pus is breaking out and they're having a serious problem, ultimately resulting in scarring and acne and so forth. Danny, uh, break back to, to the main screen. So it, it's really important that our, our, our people out there, the families, the moms, the dads, the parents, the grandparents, educate the kids because the kids will take action. They'll do anything, in my experience, to clear up their skin. And you hit it out of the nose, Jeffrey. Tell them acne and they're going to start listening because, wow, what if they could do this without these drugs that doctors are prescribing? You even mentioned that there's these now drug-resistant animals uh, uh, anti to antibiotics. I mean, we're really in a generation now this awareness has to come to light and I'm concerned too that the censorship and some of the main medias and I'm thankful that our show gets millions of views and followers and comments so I'm, I'm so thankful I've been wanting you to be on it as a guest for a long time and when I got to see you, the truth about cancer I know Ty Bollinger thinks highly of you and he's invited me to speak at the Tennessee event next year so I'll be looking forward to sharing the stage along uh, some of the other greats that have uh, really gone out there to basically tell the truth of what's going on and we didn't even get much into the whole subject of cancer but you know we, we almost have to use the word depressed immune system because the whole idea of you know a, a movie about the truth about cancer in, in other words someone suppressing or not giving the information I think to a degree we're seeing this I talked to some of the other speakers and they said you know somehow the information is not being shared as readily as it used to be it's kind of being censored and I hate to say this but I suspect it may be true so I want everyone to get out there, Jeffrey, secretingredientsmovie.com. And I want to make sure they're out there looking to actively donate, whether it be 5, 10, 25, 50 bucks every month, whatever they can do, because our, our, our very 
existence depends on this because who's going to go out there? The, the big, big pharma companies as lobbyists? No. It's going to be people like yourself that have an awareness and a concern for the public. And I really commend you on your life's work and your, your challenge against these big, big food industries. And I mean, going against Monsanto and Big Pharma and all these people, uh, I got to say, it's got to be one of the most frustrating and stressful things to do, but someone's got to do it. And you know, you, you viewers here, please support this man. He's doing, doing something that no one else there is. He's exposing the truth. Thank you so much, Nick. And I love hearing what you've been doing, your books, so many people's lives helped. That's absolutely terrific. And I think, you know, you may have noticed, uh, it's especially the case with the pediatricians, that when GMOs and, and Roundup were introduced into the food supply in the late 1990s, soon after there was a whole new raft of serious diseases, uh, complex diseases that were not recovering with the same protocols that had to be used in the past. Same thing with livestock, same thing with pets. And if you track the more than 30 diseases that are on the rise in the U.S. population in parallel with GMOs and Roundup, it gives the impression that if this is in fact causation, because correlation doesn't prove causation, but we think that there is a causal relationship there based on every other uh, set of data, then we think that GMOs and Roundup may be the single greatest driver of ill health in the United States and around the world where it is exposed in the food supply. And so I'm hoping that if we can make a difference in your listeners to switch to organic, you'll be hearing what I heard walking down the halls all weekend at TTAC, people coming up to me every few minutes saying, oh my God, Jeffrey, you changed my life, you saved my life, you saved my family. And they describe horrible symptoms, life-threatening symptoms that went away when they changed their diet. So I can't emphasize enough the fundamental nature of eating organic as the first step to becoming healthy and then every every other intervention that you offer in your work and your books and your podcasts will be easier for the body to accept. Well stated. Be strong, be well. Please share. Please engage. Drop your questions. I'll make sure Jeffrey gets to see because he'll share this link with his audience as well. And it's really been a pleasure. I've had these questions that I've wanted to ask you for so long. And I thought, man, I'm going to throw up some tough questions and I knew you would come through. And it's been our experience as well. So Thank you so much from my heart. And uh, it's just one of those uh, moments where, you know, we're all trying to work together, but sometimes when you pull together as a group and, and just kind of support each other in our efforts, we know that we can overcome these obstacles together, not necessarily by ourselves because we've tried up until now and it hasn't worked. It's time to really become a unified voice. Thank you, everyone. Be well, be strong. Bye-bye. Please give us a review on iTunes and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be EsterBlock, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power and Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.